0: Well, sometimes there's an urgency about our words. Uh, many of you may not know, but my dad was my band teacher. He was supervisor of music K-12, so when I got to high school, I had dad as a teacher, which is a good thing. If you're late for class, you can get some free hall passes and all that, but I have great memories of dad as my teacher. I remember one of our rehearsals, and we started early in the morning, about 7.05, and this particular day, Dad was really energized. I just noticed that and other things. Dad's stressing over the piece. We must not have been doing it well. And it was the day that he just decided to charge into the different sections of the band. And Dad, you got to put this picture in your mind. Dad wore a suit every day to work, suit and tie. So he's going over to the, the percussion. Take it from measure six. Right, one, two. And he's just moving from section to section and so I noticed that I'm like trying to raise my hand to get his attention. And he he doesn't give me the time of day. I, I think he saw me, but he didn't want to uh, call upon me. But I, I needed to tell him something. And so I let him get back to the podium and he, he continued to to conduct. And I came up to him and I w- whispered, I thought loud enough, some stuff in his ear. And he You know, just kept going. So I turned up the volume. He kept conducting. Finally, he says, "Rob," he kept conducting. What's so urgent? I said, nothing, Dad, because I felt like he was like, Dad, nothing, nothing. So I go back to my seat, sit down. The rehearsal finishes after about 50 minutes. This little shy girl, first flute, Kim, came up to my father and said, Mr. Perry, your fly is down. (laughs) He looks at me, Robin. I so, said, Dad, sure enough, he looks down, his wide open, white shirt pulled through. <laughs> I said, Dad, I tried to tell you, I had an important message for you. Sometimes the words that we have to say, are there's an urgency about them, and they have a little bit more weight and more importance than the story I just shared with you. And I got permission by Dad. He attends first service, and I said, Dad, I want to tell the story this week. Go ahead, son. But... Um, We're going to hear today some words from the Apostle Paul, who we were introduced to last week, that had something urgent to say as we continue in the series, that we've been in for nine months called the story, and we've been going through God's story, this powerful story in chronological order, book by book, seeing how God's story, his grand story, and how he's drawing us to him, and how Christ has been here all along. It's been a neat journey. It's one we finish up next week. And today, what we're going to do is look at Paul's final days. Because in a person's final days, if you're fortunate enough to be around them, that's when you hear what was important to them. What is important to them? What do they value? You tend to listen if you're around somebody who knows their days or final, my, my sister died at a young age of colon cancer, and I, I was fortunate enough to be able to be around her when she knew her days were numbered. They were six months to be exact. And I got to be with her, and here, there were fears at first, but then the memories and the stuff that was valuable to her and what was important to her, that came out. People share great things in their final days, the things that are of value to them, and their last words tend to last when you're listening to them. And so Paul wrote lots of words 14 books in the New Testament, Paul. And many of them are letters. And we're going to look at one of those letters today, 2 Timothy. And it's a letter if you will, his final words that he's writing to Timothy. So we're going to look at that today. But before we do that, ushers, if you will come down, they have Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, we want to get a Bible in your hand. It is a gift from the church to you. If you don't have one, a uh, signal to them. If you forgot yours, just go ahead and get one from them. You can drop it off later. That is fine. But we want you to have God's word as we go into this story today. So a letter, right? When you get a letter, it's written from somebody, Paul, to somebody, Timothy. Who's Timothy? Well, Timothy was one of those persons that was at one of Paul's first missionary stops. Along the way, Timothy was one of those that heard the saving message of Jesus Christ, and he acted on it, he trusted, and he believed it, and he moved out and became a fellow worker with Paul to get this message out to the world. And so Paul's writing this letter to Timothy and Paul is in prison. He's been in prison before. This isn't different for him. He's written letters from prison, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians. Those are letters that Paul has written in prison. But there's a difference this time. Before he knew he was going to be released from prison, but this time he knew, I'm not getting out of here. My life is gonna end here. And in this letter, he wrote these words to Timothy toward the end. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me. He's saying, my life is counted. I am completely fulfilled. I have carried out the mission with the things that have mattered most, and I'm at peace, and there's a joy about me as I head into this. I don't know about you, but when I read that, if I was sitting in a prison, if I was where he was at, would you feel the same way? There's got to be more to it, more that influenced him being able to say this. And so what happened between when we left off last week after Paul's three missionary journeys, what happened? Well, he ended up, after 20 years on the road, And for those of you that travel, he would have blown you away in today's world with elite status, platinum status, with your rental cars and your airlines. He traveled so much, but he came back to Jerusalem. But his life was threatened there because people knew him and and the ones that knew and were opposing the way of Jesus, they didn't like him and they've seen him before. And so Paul's life was threatened and what happened was Paul got kind of protected by the Roman guards. And the Roman guards ended up taking him down to Caesarea, where that was the Roman uh, governor of Palestine down in there. And, and there, under Roman protection, Paul was safe. He sat two years in that, that prison. And during that two years, he was free to move about. But it came a time when a new governor came in, because what happened was the Jews kept trying to convict him, convict him, convict him of being like a criminal of the worst kind. And it just kept on, no case, no case. But they kept him in prison until one governor came and Paul sensed he started wavering that maybe this time that governor is going to say criminal of the highest degree. And at that point, Paul exercises his uh, right as a Roman citizen. He was a full Roman citizen. So he's Jewish, but a full Roman citizen. So he says, move me. Move me to Rome. I want to go to court where the emperor is. Get me there. And he finds himself back at Rome, a place he always wanted to get to. Why? Because he felt that that was a stronghold. If he could get the message of Christ there in the streets, in the temple, be able to be with people, go life on life, if he could get there, the word would get out. But he got there. And this isn't the way he envisioned to get there in chains, in prison. And so now he spends another two years in prison. This is four years. But you see, it was in house arrest, so he could move around, visitors could come, but he was kind of tied. He was shackled to the guard. Every four hours, a new guard would come, and they'd have to shackle themselves to Paul. Well, if you know Paul, Paul is not gonna shut up about his life. So as these guards were there, he just kept talking and talking about his life, sharing his story. And these guards started opening up, sharing their life, and before you know it, here Paul thinks, oh my goodness, I can't do what I wanted to do in Rome. But these guards end up committing their life to Christ. A revival starts in the prison moves out into the imperial household. And so when we read the words in in 2 Timothy, when Paul says, you cannot chain God's word, it makes sense. He was in captivity. And it's really hard to know what happened. He did get released from that. He did get out in Rome. And we don't know much from Acts. Acts ends very abruptly. (laughs) He's in prison. We don't know. But from outside sources, we do know that he ended up in prison again. An event happened in Rome that was not good for Paul. The uh, city of Rome was burned. And Nero, the emperor said, it was the Christians that did that. And so they found Paul and they brought him back. And this time there was no house arrest. For us, we need to think solitary confinement. We need to think maximum security, no visitors. Even if there were visitors, the Christians were either scattered or killed. And it's there in that cell that he writes this letter to Timothy wanting to pass on, and he pens the words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me. He's saying, I'm fulfilled. I got here. I did my mission. I look forward to the prize. We don't sit in prison. We don't know our final day, our final hour But have you ever asked yourself the question or wondered what people would say about you after you have gone on? You're like, Rob, can you get Joel back out here? Come on, we need to lift it up, right? But stick with me on this. This is an important thing. We are still feeling the impact of Paul's life in our life today. Paul had such a deep desire that Timothy experienced God's best for his life, that he wanted to pass on some things so that he could experience that. And so my hope for us today is that we listen to what Paul had to say and bring our life kind of into the light under the microscope and just say, how am I doing against what Paul is laying out? And maybe it will encourage some of you, uh, let it do that. And in other spots in our life, maybe we feel a little conviction, but may it move us to doing something so that we can live a life that counts. And so Paul's last words in this letter kind of had two key themes, ideas that he was trying to get across to Timothy. The first is this, keep enduring. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He's saying, listen, Jesus promised trials and tribulations, and you need to endure. Why? What happens when it gets tough? For me, the tough don't get going. A lot of times I want to run. I want to stop. I want to quit. I want to compromise. And Paul is saying, keep enduring for the sake of the gospel. And it makes me go, how, how do you do that? We don't like to suffer, right? That's why we run from it. And I I don't want to develop this this week because if you listen to last week's message, Dave spoke about how do we um, endure in the suffering. So I want to direct you to last week's message. But Paul says, basically, you're going to do it by God's strength, not yours, God's strength, and allow you to keep enduring. That's all I want to say here. That's one whole angle of this letter. Keep enduring for the sake of the gospel. The, the other one, and we're going to spend time in this, the, main, the other main point and idea is what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you, Timothy. You see, your Christian life, my Christian life, started by trusting in Jesus, but that's only half of it. The other half is that he, Christ, is trusting you in me. And Paul is saying, make your life about this precious truth. And when he says guarding it, it means it's so important that you want to protect it, but give it away. And in the process, he, said, he puts the context of this. He says, I've run this race, and I've finished it well. And I connect with this idea of a race. I'm a runner. I've run since uh, 18. So that means I've run now for about four years. <laughs> that is cruel. <laughs> oh, no. I'm just trying to actually see if you're awake. Um, I've run for 30 years. I haven't run many races, but... I, this, I, this metaphor I do connect with. Uh, There's a friend, good friend of mine, Luke, uh, that I ran out in Research Triangle Park. There's a five-mile loop there that goes around the park. And I ran with Luke like every other day for lunch. We'd do that. And there was one day we were running. He said, hey, Rob, we, we ought to do a half. We ought to do a full. You know, I've done that before. It would be real fun to run with you. And I said, hey, Luke, how about we say we did, but we don't. Maybe like when we get back to the rec center, how about you get on the sideline, you cheer me on and act like I finished, and that's the race that I run. He said, Rob, you can do it. I said, I'll never be able to go the distance. He said, you can. It's in the training, Rob. You need to train well. You see, it's exciting to start, but it requires an effort to finish. And so Paul has a training plan for Timothy. And I want to look at a couple of those elements of his training plan because he wasn't only writing to Timothy, he was writing to the Christ followers who would come after Timothy as well. So the first item on the training plan is this, make reading a priority. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have, been given, they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Look at verse 16. Let's see, all scripture is, it's inspired, but it is useful. And so if it's useful then in my Christian life, without scripture, it would be a useless Christian life. Why? Because it says right here, God uses his word to prepare and equip you and I to do his work. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, make reading this a priority in your life. My buddy Luke said, Rob, go get the Hal Ligdon uh, marathon plan. I said, oh, he pointed me to it. This is days before uh, the internet was far along. But I got it, I printed it, I put it on my nightstand. If I just left it there, all my training would have been useless. But I focused on that, I looked at it, I applied it, and I was able to finish races. I put the plan into action. And Paul is saying, Timothy, this stuff is huge right there. It's so important. And if we are to imitate Paul as he imitates and follows Christ, then we ought to be reading this so that we are taught, so that we are, and I don't like this, you don't like this, corrected. That God would use this to correct correct us. Bible calls it sin. It's the stuff that God doesn't desire in our lives, not because He wants to squash all of your joy, but because He's the one that created us. He knows exactly what you need for life. And he's saying, it's in here. So He wants to correct us where we need correcting. And the cool part is is that God's word doesn't just point out where we're wrong. It's there to also point out the correction. That word that was translated in English, correction, correct, it's only used one time in the New Testament, one time. It's really hard to do a word study and get the full picture of what this means. But we can tell from the original that it means to restore to its proper condition. Put that, get that image in your mind. The word restore helps you restore to your proper condition. But if you look at extra-biblical texts of the time, you can get some more insight into what this original word really meant. And I love the word picture. So it means to restore proper but writing a fallen object or helping back to their feet those who have stumbled. You ever stumble? or you are in the middle of a stumble? Do you need help? You're not sure what is right? What Your world's upside down? You don't know how to continue on. This thing is living, breathing, active. It's divine in nature. And Paul is saying, you need to make this a priority in your life. It's something LifePoint values. Every week, we give out God's word. It is the authority in which we are led. It's that important. We spent nine months kind of approaching scripture and saying, I don't need to be scared about it. It isn't just a bunch of disconnected stories. It's actually a grand story of God drawing us to him and trying to understand how his will is unfolding in our lives today. This is important. And so that's why we put, we say, get in a grow group. What is that? I hear connect groups. Yeah, well, connect groups to make a friend. But then hopefully you're in a grow group where you bring your life, you get around others who are bringing their life and you're looking at God's word because the process of that is gonna hold you up, restore you, encourage you, challenge you. And if if you're here and you're like, well, I don't even believe in Jesus yet. I understand that. You're you're like, why don't I wanna go look at that? Take a step. One of the grow groups we offer is called Starting Point. A wonderful environment to bring your questions, which we know you have, that starting point curriculum, brings your questions into the light and allows you to talk about them in a safe and encouraging way. Look for that next starting point, sign up for it, but make reading a priority. The other thing on the training plan is this, make coaching a priority, You have heard me teaching things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's a couple generations there, if you look at that. Be a student, listen, and carry it on. My buddy Luke came by my side, helped me run. He had run a race before. He got further than I ever have. Did he know how to do this perfectly? No. But he did. He did go places I've never been, and he came and ran with me, side by side teaching me, encouraging me, and Paul saying, "Listen, leverage your life for those that are just a couple steps behind." Your life isn't meant to just hold on to something. All your successes, your failures, is not meant to be held on to. Paul says, I poured myself out. So we are to pour ourselves out to help others. You can't fill them up. Christ will do that. But you can certainly pour your life out for somebody. And so I have two questions for us. And I think one of these, I know one of these, Is true for all of us in here. First question Who's your Timothy? Second one, this may be more applicable for who is your Paul? One of those applies to you. And for somebody checking out Christ, maybe a new believer, the question for you is simply Who is your Paul? Are you doing something in your life to find the Paul in your life? To have a Paul beside you? The church does its part by getting grow groups and leaders in there that are willing to come and just be a few steps ahead of you and encourage you, call you along. Who is your Paul? But there are others here. You're further along. The question is, who's your Timothy. Again, because you're not supposed to hold on to that. Who's your Timothy? If you're like me, you may go, ah, I'm disqualified from this race because I have these, these failures in my life. Listen to Dave's message last week. Your failures, your successes uniquely qualify you to speak into somebody's life. That's your mission, is to bring that to somebody. God wants to bring you there. So who is your Timothy? Timothy you're responsible for a Timothy. I'm responsible for a Timothy. And the last thing on the coaching, on on the training plan is this. Run a race that matters. In Riverside, California, there was a cross-country race where 123 of the 128 runners took a wrong turn. And Mike Delcavo took the right turn. Like, not a right turn. Took the right turn. And he's waving everybody on, like, no, come, follow me. He could only convince four of them to come and follow him. And at the end of the race, they they asked Mike, they said, what did your competitors, your fellow runners, think about your mid-race decision not to follow the crowd? And he said, they thought it was funny that I went the right way. Mike ran the race correctly. He knew the goal. He knew where he was going. And in the same way, that's with our faith. We need to know its purpose and and direction. Many start the race, but they get distracted and they don't finish well. Paul, no matter what they threw at him, he started. They tried to be defeated by the suffering and and knocked down, but he didn't let it move him. He stayed the course. Everyone is pursuing something. Every one of us is pursuing something. The question or the matter is, will it last after we're not here? How How do you even know the answer to that question? I think, you, I think we've got to ask ourselves a question then to find this out. It's just simply say, is what I'm living for, what does that mean? Is what I think about, do every day, my actions, my behaviors, my thoughts, everything about me, is it one of those things that when I know if this was my final days, would it be something that I pass on to my daughter, Elizabeth and Nick? would it be what you're living for would it be one of those things say you need to be about what i was doing cuz if not you need a mid-race course correction the paul is saying timothy be about guarding that precious truth that you've been entrusted with he was driven by this we read paul says so i am willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. He's saying, as long as there is somebody that doesn't know Jesus, I, Paul, am going to go about making sure that my life, I get to be with them, and I get to hopefully share the news about Jesus. The way he told Timothy to do this, he said, preach it. You're probably saying, well, Rob, that's your job. Preach it. I'm here. Preach it. Part of that's true. There is a special position. Not position. There is a special role that you will do that. But if you look at preaching in the Bible, every one of us who are believers in Christ are called. It's about telling the story. You have a story in your life, and that's what preaching, preaching is about. And we value this. Our mission statement is helping people connect with God. Why? Because without Jesus, they're disconnected. And Paul knew that the most tragic thing in life is that somebody would perish and face eternity separated from God and not experiencing life as they should here in the here and now. And that drove him. I've got this reminder, every time I walk out of my office, that I have a gift that was given to me that I need to pass on. When you walk out that door, there's some offices on your right, but right next to a wall is an AED device. And that it's used for, and it's very successful. If somebody in here is having a heart attack, that thing will bring life to that person. Imagine, if I knew that was there, and somebody's struggling, and I leave it there. Ah, that'd be criminal, tragic, and wrong. And Paul's saying, guard, share that precious truth. Listen to how he says, Romans 10, and I'm finishing up here in a second. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. The messenger bringing the good news is what Paul was all about. And I want in my life, you know, I have in my life eternity with God. I want that for those of you that don't have that. Let's talk. Come up after but even more than the eternity, the, some will say the insurance. Well, no, it's life here now, too. And I want to be known for something. I don't want people to go, hmm, who was he now? What, what was his life all about? I want people to say he endured. He went wherever God put him on mission, whether he's out at Research Triangle as a programmer and his home in his neighborhood here. and so- He was on mission, and he passed things along. And I pray that that, as we hear today's word, that that is what you're about, is bringing glory to God and life to others through Jesus so that when you get to the end of your life, you can say, I've run the race. I've finished it and I've been faithful. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your word and for um, people who are ahead of me, who can help um, me to continue to take next steps. And for uh, the gift that, we are, that I have and that others here who are Christ's followers have to pass on, and I pray that people receive that gift, pass it on, is the most important thing that we can do. It's hard to understand how we do that where you have us on mission, but that's where we rely on your wisdom, your strength to help us do it. We love you, and it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.